Well, I'm not sure how many of y'all went to the men's retreat last week, but it was excellent, and uh, but it's really good to have you all back. Uh, my voice is a little scratchy this morning, so I have my tea up here and y'all's prayer, and uh, they're videotaping, so if next hour I don't have a voice, uh, they can just play the videotape. Isn't that great? Because I want to save my voice for t- the worship night tonight. So I am going to ask you if you're physically able to stand with me one more time as we read from God's Word. Uh, In the passage I'm about to read, Paul is going to describe three categories of people. And as I read, I want you to see if you can find yourself. Okay, Paul writes, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food. For you were not ready for it. Even now you are not ready. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only as a hum- in a human way? And when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So this morning, we're going to be talking about the nature of true spirituality, what it looks like, what it is, how you can recognize it. Remember in the introduction to the series in 1 Corinthians just a few weeks ago, I said that the Corinthian church in the first century was having a bit of an identity crisis. They had forgotten who they were and they had forgotten whose they were. And they'd even gone as far as dividing into factions and then they attached the names of Paul and Apollos and Cephas or Peter and Christ to their various teams. Like they lacked completely any real self-awareness and they thought of themselves as really spiritual people even though all evidence was to the contrary. And so Paul, as he writes them here, begins to use some of their own terms, terms that they use in their conversation, terms that they use in their division between the mature and the immature, between the spiritual and the fleshly. He uses their own words to both challenge them in their divisiveness and expose their lack of self-awareness. And in this section of Scripture, he does that by contrasting three categories of people, and then he places most of the Corinthian church in the third category. And here are the categories. The first group is the natural. That's what Paul calls them. He calls them the natural. Now these are people who do not have the Spirit of God. And they live like it. Like they're consistent. They're lost and they live lost lives. Like we shouldn't be surprised by that. We shouldn't be surprised by the choices that they're making because they're making choices that are consistent with like their own nature. The next group he talks about are the spiritual. I'm going to call them for this message the supernatural. 
Because that's the kind of lives they live. These are people who have the Spirit of God living in them and they live like it. Like there's something different about them. Like something different about how they respond to each other, how they respond to the Word, how they live in this life. The choices that they're making, not just their moral choices, but like the clear direction of where their heart takes them that is supernatural. And then there's the third category he talks to. He calls them people of flesh. I'm going to call them the unnatural. The unnatural. Like these are people who are believers. Like they have the Spirit of God living in them, and yet they don't live like it. I mean, of the three categories, they're the only group that's inconsistent with who they really are. Like with their true identity in Christ. And so... Uh, I want to start by looking first uh, more closely at this first category, the natural. Like, who is the natural person? Well, they're not like an environmentalist. It's not that kind of natural person, right? This is what the Bible calls an unsaved person. They are unsaved, not necessarily unchurched. They may be in church, church, but they're not a follower of Christ. They're not a true believer. They don't have the Spirit of God living in them. They're alive physically, but they are dead spiritually. They're alive physically, but they are dead spiritually. And that's the condition that all of us should understand because everyone in this room was at one time dead spiritually. Ephesians 2 tells us that all of us were dead in our sins. We were apart from Christ. We were separated from the promises of God. Like we were children of wrath, destined for destruction. All of us fit in this category at one time. Like we were the natural. Now understand, the person who is natural may be a really good person by the world's standards. They may be better than you or better than me. They may be your favorite neighbor, your favorite co-worker. They may be your go-to guy or gal that you really trust. I mean, this is the neighbor who when they borrow your lawnmower, they bring it back with gas in it. Or if it's a, if it's a plug-in lawnmower, fully charged. Like this guy is a good guy. He may even be a religious guy, and yet he finds himself still in the natural category. And that's because all of his efforts and all of his work and all of his energy in morality and religion and whatever cannot create true spiritual life. I mean, this is Nicodemus in John 3 when Jesus told him, you must be born again. Remember, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and says, good teacher, We know that you're from God because nobody can do the works that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you won't see God. You can't know God. You can't enter his kingdom. Like there has to be something that happens to you from the outside. God himself has to give you new life. I mean, to all like evidence, Nicodemus was a good guy. A really moral guy. Certainly a super religious guy. But when he came to Jesus that night, he was spiritually dead. You see, the natural person is usually governed by their own desires. 
They do what they want to do. They follow their heart. Right? They live in a way that is consistent with their true nature. That's why I think like for believers, for followers of Christ, we should not be surprised by the direction of our world. Like we shouldn't like fill our posts on Facebook or Twitter with bemoaning the direction of our world. I mean, Romans 1 tells us that a world without God will spiral out of control. Lost people will live lost lives. We shouldn't. We are supposed to be salt and light in this world and we are supposed to be the ones like we've been singing, praying for revival and trying to see our city changed. However, lost people are going to live lost lives. They're going to live ways that are consistent with their nature. Paul describes them this way in the passage. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God because they're folly to Him. Remember, the context is the Gospel, the cross of Christ, Christ crucified. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly to Him and He cannot. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so the first thing you can write down in your outline is the natural person have no acceptance of God's Spirit. Like the natural have no acceptance of God's Spirit. They don't have the Spirit and so they're living in a way that's consistent with that. Therefore, the things of God are foolish to them because they lack the resources to really understand them. I mean, they may come to our Bible studies. They may come to our churches. They may be in your family. You may have a a home group Bible study where they're sharing and learning. And it doesn't mean that they can't understand the words or the concepts. But left to themselves, they'll never embrace them. They'll never love them. They'll never live them out because that requires the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not that they can't mentally grasp doctrine or the Gospel. They can comprehend the Gospel, but they will never welcome it and they will never receive it apart from the work of God. Like for you, Christian, why did you believe? Like, are you just smarter than your neighbor? More clever? More moral? Did you have some sort of spiritual spark in you that they didn't have that just was not diminished by the fall? Of course not. God did a work in you, opening your eyes and awakening you, making someone who was dead alive again. Like when I think of the people who are the natural that he's talking about, I think of Paul in Acts 26 preaching to Agrippa and Festus. Remember at one point when Paul starts talking about the resurrection, Festus says, Paul, your great learning has driven you mad. And then he says, hey, I'm not mad. Most noble Festus. But I speak words of sober truth. And the king over here knows it well because this was not done in some corner somewhere. And then Agrippa says, oh, Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Man, you're a good communicator. You're an amazing preacher. I mean, who can present the Gospel better than Paul? Right? I mean, he one-ups Billy Graham. And yet, Festus and Agrippa both walked away unconverted. 
Because the natural person cannot understand the things of God because they are spiritually discerned. Therefore, number two, the natural have no appetite for God's Word. Guys, the Spirit of God breathed out the Word of God. Like you need to understand, when you're reading your Bible, you are reading the very Word of God. And the natural person has no appetite for God's Word. Jesus put it this way, He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear what God says is that you don't belong to God. Like Jesus just cuts to it, right? Like we're having a conversation with somebody like this and we'd kind of like take them a few laps around the block and like let me hear your story, your spiritual journey. Explain to me more clearly. Okay, can we meet again next week for coffee? Jesus says, hey, you know what? reason you don't believe the words of God, you don't follow the words of God? Yeah, that's because you don't belong to God. If you belong to God, you would get it. If you belong to God, you would love His Word. You would follow His words. In addition, Jesus tells us that the natural person has no affection for God's Son. In the same conversation, He tells this group, if God were your Father, you would love Me. For I came from God, and now I'm here. I mean, you say you love God. You say you know God. If God were your Father, you would love Me. But they have no affection for the Son of God. Like, why do you, Christian, love Jesus? Well, we just sang about it. I I was dead. And I was lost. I was captured by the cross. Spirit of the living God awoke a love in me. Like we love Him because He first loved us. Finally, the natural have no attraction to God's people. Jesus says in John 15, hey, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, then the world would love you as its own. But as it is, you don't belong to the world. But I've chosen you out of the world and that's why the world hates you. And so Paul is saying, this is what the natural person looks like. They may think they're good. They may think they're religious. They may think they're moral and even spiritual. But this is the true state of their heart. Like I think if someone told Paul, hey, you know, I'm I'm religious, but I'm not spiritual. You know, we've all heard that, right? I'm religious, but I'm not spiritual. I'm I'm sorry, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I think if somebody said that to Paul, if they said, hey, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, I think he would say, I don't think those words mean what you think they mean. Right? You say you're spiritual, but not religious. The reality is you're religious, but you're not spiritual. You have no spiritual life. You have ritual. Right? You have ceremonies. You have a lot of activity. You're putting a lot of energy into this, hoping that if there is a God or something, He may take notice and accept you and invite you into whatever He is. You're religious. But you are not spiritual. You're dead in your sins. That's the first category of people that Paul describes. The second category, I like to call the supernatural. These are people who have the Spirit of God living in them and living out of them. Like they're living consistent lives with the Spirit of God. 
They are spiritual people. This is people who are saved. They're born again. They're indwelt by the Spirit of God. They're spiritually alive. Like at the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit took up residence in you. And in that moment, He began the process of transforming you into the image of Christ. If you are a Christian, then this is your category. And so, like, I've always thought it's crazy, just as a side note, when Christians will sit me down and they'll be telling me something, or somebody will say this in a small group. I've heard it 50 times in a small group. In a response to a question, giving their opinion, they'll say, Now, I'm not trying to sound spiritual. Why not? Like, why wouldn't you want to sound spiritual? I mean, I get what they're saying. Like, I don't want to come off as I have all the answers, I have it all together. Listen, we all know that. Alright? We know you don't have it all together. But just remove that phrase from your vocabulary. We should want to sound spiritual more than anything else. It's nonsensical for the Christian to say, I don't want to sound spiritual. Because the spiritual person discerns like all things. That's what that word judges means. It's the same word used in verse 14. Like the natural people can't discern spiritual things, but the spiritual person discerns all things. And the context is all things related to the Gospel and the things of God. It doesn't mean that if you have the Spirit of God, you can discern all things, including math, right? <laughs> including physics. Like, it doesn't mean that you can just say, hey, you know, I didn't study for this test, but I did pray to be filled with the Spirit, so I'm all good. No, study. Like, do your homework. But what it means is, listen, we have the Holy Spirit teaching us all things. In verse 12, Paul writes this. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. And so guys, one important thing to note is that the spiritual person understands the natural person. But the natural person cannot understand the spiritual person. I mean, the, the spiritual person understands himself and they understand the, understand the natural person because they used to be them. And because the Spirit teaches them all things like related to the things of God and the Gospel, but the natural person looks on the life of the spiritual and he just doesn't get it. He just can't grasp it. Like one person wrote this, that the profane person cannot understand holiness, but the holy person can well understand the depths of evil. And that's so true. It's, it's like this. The one who has had their life invaded by the Spirit of God now has the resources to discern all things including what life without the Spirit looks like. But the opposite is not possible. That's what Paul means when he says the spiritual person judges or discerns all things, but is himself to be judged 
by no one. Now what's Paul saying? Is Paul saying, listen, if you're a Christian, nobody can judge you at all for anything. Like you have a whole new standard. You don't need to worry about anything else. So if you get pulled over by a cop going 75 in a school zone, past an unloading school bus, and the cop is about to write you a ticket, don't say, officer, it's okay. I've been filled with the Spirit. (laughs) Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Never mind, sir. No. Like, obey the law. That's not what Paul was saying. What Paul was saying is that the believer is not subject to merely human judgments because the person with the Spirit operates in a way that is beyond the understanding of the world's wisdom. What I mean by that is sometimes they're just not going to get us. They're not just, they're just not going to understand us. It's like me when I had COVID uh, last year. Remember, I remember I've told the story that I found out that I had COVID uh, when I went to Hobby Lobby with Amy. And she was on one aisle buying something, looking for something, and I was on another aisle looking at candles because, you know, I like, I like candles that smell like evergreen trees or coffee. Like, I don't want to actually go outside and smell a tree. No, thank you. But I wouldn't mind a nice candle. And I like to smell a, co- a coffee candle while I'm drinking my coffee. So it's all good. And so I'm going from candle to candle. They were half price smelling these like expensive candles. And all of them smelled the same. They all smelled like absolutely nothing. And I was thinking, these candles are broken. This is crazy. Who would pay for a candle if he doesn't even have a good odor that you can tell what it's going to be like when you light it? And then it dawned on me, oh, I may have COVID. (laughs) Guys, in the same way, what I mean by that, in in the very same way, those without the Spirit, just like I could not smell those candles, those without the Spirit cannot evaluate or understand the person with the Spirit of God regarding the truths of God. As Thomas Schreiner puts it, since unbelievers do not understand the things of the Spirit, they cannot comprehend the fundamental reality present in the lives of believers. The ultimate commitment that animates believers is a mystery to unbelievers because they don't have the Spirit of God. And as Chuck Swindoll explains it so clearly, those who align themselves to the Spirit's wisdom and submit themselves to a Christian worldview fall into the same category as the Gospel. Remember, unbelievers look on the Gospel and what do they say about the Gospel? Well, that's stupid. I mean, it's moronic. It makes no sense. It's utter foolishness. It's a stumbling block for some and idiocy to others. And Swindoll says, listen, Christians who are filled with the Spirit and who are walking in the Spirit are judged in the same category as the Gospel. We're foolish. We're moronic. We're idiots. We're a stumbling block. What were we thinking? To put it plainly, he writes, unbelievers will never quite get their believing friends and family members. And so this may explain the blank stares you get sometimes from family as you try to explain why you do what you do. Like the choices that you're making, the beliefs that you have. Like have you ever experienced this? Have you ever confounded 
like anyone because of your biblical consistency in regard to how you view your family or marriage or sex or money or joy or love or faith or fear or suffering or hope. Like we should be, Christians, we should be incomprehensible to the world. Like they should look on us and think, wait a minute, you're so hopeful. Why are you hopeful? That makes no sense. Like there's nothing that anchors you that should give you hope. You don't have enough money in your bank account to be hopeful. You just lost your job. Your health is failing. How are you joyful? Like we should live our lives in a way that is incomprehensible to those without the Spirit of God. Like Paul is saying that the person who belongs to this age is not in a position to judge as foolish the person who belongs to the age to come. But see, here's the rub. We crave the affirmation of a world that cannot comprehend us. And so that they would affirm us, we compromise. And we allow ourselves to look like them, think like them, have their same values so that they will applaud us and pat us on the back so they'll get us. Because then, of course, we're going to be able to witness to them, right? Because we've, like we've made a bridge. And yet, Peter writes, that the bridge is actually when we live in a way that's incomprehensible to this. Peter says, listen, everyone should be ready to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that is in them. Like we should have people asking us, wait a minute, I don't get it. Why do you have hope? Why do you have purpose? Why do you have a joy? Why is your family different than mine? Why are your choices different than mine? Why would that you know, diagnosis from the doctor are you still joyful? The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That statement kind of blows my mind. The idea that in some way, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we, we have the thoughts of Christ revealed to us by the Spirit of God. As the psalmist writes in Psalm 36, in your light, we see light. Like the Spirit of God, when He fills us and changes us, makes the incomprehensible comprehensible. Church, are you filled with the Spirit? Do you believe in the person of the Holy Spirit? Do you want Him in your life to transform you and to change you? That brings us to our final category of people. Paul calls them the fleshly. I like to call them the unnatural. These are people who have the Spirit, but they don't live that way. This is the only category of people who are inconsistent with who they are. And I refer to them as unnatural because that's the point Paul is trying to make in this passage. He's saying, listen, it's like this. You don't get to choose your adventure. 
You don't get to say, hey, I'm in this category, but I'm going to live like this category. You don't get to do that. Right? That doesn't work. It's like the parent who says to their kid, listen, clean your room, and until your room is clean, don't come home, don't come downstairs to eat. And the kid thinks, hey, that's cool. I got a big bag of Doritos and some spray cheese. I can live up here for a long, long time, right? Well, that's not how you're supposed to live. Like That's not a healthy diet in case you didn't know. But that's what the Corinthians are doing. The Corinthians are saying, I have the Spirit of God. In fact, I am spiritual. But all the evidence is that no, they're not spiritual. They're fleshly. The word there is carnal. Like Paul is saying, listen, supernatural people should not live like natural people. When he writes, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of flesh, as infants in Christ. When he calls them people of flesh, that word carnal, he is saying, you have all the characteristics of a fleshly person. Like these people of flesh had the Holy Spirit and yet they were living more like their flesh. Paul is literally saying this, guys. He's communicating this. When I wrote you, Man, guys, I couldn't even write you as if you were Christians. I mean, you are Christians, but you wouldn't get that. I couldn't communicate with you at that level because you become so dull. You become so fleshly and worldly. You don't get the things of God. It's kind of like when my kids were young, it seemed like every time we did a family devotional, it ended poorly. Is anybody else like that? Like we'd have a family devotion and there'd end up being a fight. Somebody would start crying. My daughter would share something that maybe wasn't really smart, but then the boys would point out how stupid it was and everybody would like just get mad and just walk away and I would just think, yeah, I'm a pastor. Like this is the worst. (laughs) Until one day I had this great idea. I set them down. I said, guys, we're going to have a family devotion and this is what I want you to do. It's going to be so fun. I want you to pretend that you are a Christian. We are Christians. Yeah, 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 that's good. No, what I want you to do is as I'm teaching, as I'm speaking, when I'm asking these questions and y'all are answering them and interacting, I want you to pretend that you really love Jesus. But we do love Jesus. Sure you do. Just pretend. It was the best family devotion ever. Paul is telling the Corinthian church, guys, you can't even pretend. You can't even pretend. You're so fleshly. You're, you, you look like death. Like the Corinthians were in a very unstable position. They were actually in no man's land because they were in a category that did not exist. It's unnatural, right? They were believers who were living for themselves. Christ saved us so that we'd live for Him. They were saved souls with wasted lives. They were in a category that did not exist. And guys, we know, I mean, from Scripture that a believer who is caught up in worldliness and carnality can't live that way for their whole life. Jesus said that we would all bear fruit some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. 
And so there's no happy-go-lucky carnal Christians just living their whole Christian life in worldliness. Whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. But as he writes this letter, this church has more of the flesh than the Spirit in their life. This is them. They have enough of the Lord that they are unhappy in the world, yet enough of the world that they're unhappy in the Lord. Christians who live like this are the most miserable people on earth. Living completely inconsistently with who they are. I mean, this is evidenced in the Corinthian church by their eating habits and their relationships, right? Paul says, listen, you're living in a human way, in a way that's merely human. You're spiritual babies. I can't even feed you solid food. Like Paul is addressing when he says solid food and baby food, he's addressing their response to the truth their eating habits, not the content of the truth. Because we all know that there are people who who are believers who come to church together, they hear the same sermon, they read the same passage, they sing the same songs, and one Christian walks away having their life blessed and changed, and the other just doesn't get it. Because they're fleshly. They're carnal. They did not have ears to hear. In addition to being spiritual babies, the evidence of their carnality is in their relationships marked by jealousy, strife, unkind words, and division. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. I follow Christ. And so here are the three categories. The natural, the supernatural, and the unnatural. Those who have the Spirit and live like it are the supernatural. Those who do not have the Spirit and live like it are the natural. But here are the Corinthians. Those who have the Spirit but do not live like it. Which one are you? Do you live in a way that's different from the world? I mean, if your answer is no, it may be that you're in the category of natural and you need to be born again. Or it may be that there is really a battle going on inside of your heart, the flesh against the Spirit. Because you're trying to live in a category that doesn't exist. Like, do you have enough of the Lord that you are unhappy in the world? Yet enough of the world that you are unhappy in the Lord. The cure for carnality is repentance and total surrender to the Spirit of God and the Lordship of Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You that if we are in You, it's because You did something. You did something in our heart, in our mind. You opened our eyes. We're like Lydia, who when Paul preached, the Spirit of God opened her heart to respond to what he taught. Lord, You did that. You did that for her. You've done that with us. I pray that You would do that now. And even now, in just the quietness of Your own hearts as we prepare for communion, I would ask that before You come up here and take this cup and take it back to Your seat, before You come up and take a cup, that You would take a moment 
and that you would ask the Spirit of God to examine you. Do you know Jesus? Are you living for Jesus? Is there any bitterness? Any unconfessed sin? Any broken relationships? Anything that before you come to this table, you need to make right with God. Do that even now. Father, I thank You that uh, in some incomprehensible way, we have the mind of Christ. And whether we're nine years old or 90, if we know Jesus, if we have the Holy Spirit living in us, then we're able to comprehend the Gospel, what You're calling us to do, Your Word in ways that would be impossible if we were still natural. God, thank You for that. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Because we have the Spirit of God living in us, this should never get old. God's Word should never get old. In fact, I I promise you, I, I haven't done a survey of our church, but I guarantee you that the men and women in this room who've read the Bible the most say they've read the Bible 20 times or more want to read it 20 more times. And the people who've only read it once or less can't imagine ever even finishing it. The more you read it, the more you're in it, the more you're with Him, the more you want of Him. Because He never grows old. This table never grows old. Remembering the Gospel never grows old. Charles Spurgeon wrote this, when every other science shall have been exhausted, when astronomy shall have no wonders left, when geology shall have no secrets to unravel, when natural history and philosophy shall have given up all their infinite treasures, there will still remain a mine without a bottom. There will still remain a sea of wisdom without a shore in the doctrines of the Gospel of the grace of God. And Jesus simply put it this way, this is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. And after supper, He took the cup and after blessing it said, this cup is the new covenant in My blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of Me. Lord Jesus, I thank You that the Gospel does not get old. The cross does not get boring. That as many times as we go to Your Word, there is more there for us to mine. More there for us to find. More there for us to see of Your greatness. And that's just what we need to know this side of heaven, Lord. I cannot imagine what it will be like when our hearts are once again tuned (laughs) to the sound and song of eternity. 
The heavens declare the glory of God. The earth and the sky shout His praises. Lord, we want to do that too. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's sing together. All right. Well, hey, let me close with some really good news, guys, that if you find yourself in a category you don't want to be in, like if you see that maybe you fit into that natural category, all you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Repent of your sin and turn to Jesus. Trust in what He accomplished on the cross for your forgiveness. And you'll be moved into a whole new category. And if you find yourself in that unnatural, carnal category, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you are a Christian, but the Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And there's not another step after that. It's not a, then I get to beat myself up for a while because I was so bad and, you know, I go through, you know, uh, a time of whipping myself or whatever. No. Like all you have to do to move into the category of the spiritual from that of the, like, fleshly is confess your sin. Say the same thing about your sin that Jesus says about it. Turn your back on it and ask His forgiveness. I hope you all have a wonderful week. We'll be down front if anyone needs to talk or needs prayer. God bless you.